G'day, I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. And you're listening to a hot take from the Doctor Who show where today, Dave, we'll be looking at The Church on Ruby Road, the Doctor Who Christmas special for 2023. Hello. Hello. We, we, are, ex- we are doing that, yes. Yes, we are. And we only have half an hour to do it because the uh, cricket is coming up. So let's crack on. Dave, we always start with the word of the week. So let's start there. Uh, my word of the week this week is Pavlova. Pavlova. Mine is box. Box. Cool. Mm. Now, before we get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of this, I do want to just say up front, this is only the second time a Doctor's post-regeneration story has been a Christmas special, following the 10th Doctor back in 2005. Is that right? Yeah, so there's a fun fact. <laughs> there you go. I would not have realised that if you hadn't told me. What do we want to talk about first? Look, Rob, let's, let's just start big picture. What are, what are your overarching initial thoughts? Overall, Dave, I'm happy with this. For a Christmas story, for a Christmas episode, I'm happy. <laughs> Is that too brief? Look, it's it's as brief or as, as, as not brief as you want it to be. I will say two things up front. First of all, I really struggled with the sound on this one, and I put a quick comment out on Twitter halfway through just saying, is it just me who can't hear the dialogue? And several people have replied saying they also couldn't hear the dialogue and had to put the the uh, the captions on and a couple of comments there were people saying you know it's it's this new trend of very mumbly dialogue which I think was part of the problem and also Murray Gold's music was just splattered at full volume all over the thing so I, I actually struggled to hear any dialogue and and did have to put the uh, the captions on to watch this which isn't the best way to watch things in my view so that that wasn't ideal I have been making the joke for our last three hot takes that we kept talking about the three specials when in fact there were four specials because mm-hmm. we're all back here doing the Christmas special here. That, I think, was a mistake on my part. Having watched this now, I think those three 60th anniversary specials were very much their distinct thing, and this is a very different thing. And that was certainly my experience of the vibe of it, and that was certainly my experience in terms of my take on it. The last three specials for their strengths and their weaknesses, and they're all pretty good. I was never once distracted or, or you know, looking at my watch or wondering what was going on, anything like this. Whereas I'm very sorry to say this episode didn't really land for me at all. And I found very quickly I was just checking my phone to see if I got a message or just looking to see if there are any new tweets out there or just sort of checking to see how long there was to go. I, I wasn't gripped by this very much at all. Oh, well, I think we've had quite a different... We've come to this in quite different ways, I think. I will say, though, I know what you mean about the other three specials being their own thing because it was David and it was Catherine and they were back for a victory lap doing their shtick. Whereas this is a very, very new thing. New Doctor, new companion. Christmas special, which always has a different vibe. So, yes, this special did feel absolutely different. Maybe we could start by talking about Shuti Gatwa. I mean, he, he's central to all of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I will just riff very quickly on the point you made, and, and that is that, yeah, absolutely, this is a Christmas special, and I did say going into this, I expected the full RTD Christmas experience, and, you know, you and I both know that I'm not a particularly Christmas special fan. Um, yeah. So, you know, I swear I didn't go into this going, oh, it's a Christmas special, I hate it. I, I did go in thinking, I've liked the last three episodes, and hopefully I'll like this one, and I expected to like this one, uh, and I just didn't very much but it was very much that Christmas special and they are their own things and I'm certainly not 
judging the entire era to come based on one Christmas special watched slightly tired on Boxing Day. So right, let, me, yeah. let me get that out of the way. This, this is not a damn you all um, comment. It's just that this didn't quite work for me comment, but whatever. But what th- what did work for me for the most part was Shudi Gatwa. I, I thought he was very well introduced into the story. I thought that he commanded the screen when he was on there. Um, not entirely perfect. A couple of niggles I'll come to, but... But I thought a very strong performance and so glad that it wasn't a post-regenerative trauma performance. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I had a sense he'd be good and I had a feel for what he might do. And when he did it, I thought, you know what? He's actually even more restrained than I thought he'd be. And that was surprising to me, especially being a Christmas episode with goblins and he's not chewing the scenery. He actually felt, Dave, very traditional Doctor for most of it to me. A few bits here and there you think, oh, maybe that's only something he could get away with. But for most of it, I think you could see any of the new Who Doctors doing this, if not some of the classic Doctors as well. No, absolutely. I I think that what we saw from his performance was very traditional Doctor, very restrained, but he's a very good performer in that you can get a sense of stuff under the surface um, maybe we are talking a little bit about that. Is, is it the Andrew Cartmel um, comment that the Doctor's like a large mountain range you see from a distance? Yes. Um, I, I, I got a lot of that from him, and occasionally you'd see sparks burst through, little quirks of personality burst through from this otherwise very austere and controlled performance. And I think that's something that you need to be a very good actor to get away with, and I think that's a very good start from him did it surprise you he was doing that no because i didn't really go in with expectations um as as you know rob i try not to just sort of take a few seconds and extrapolate or a trailer and extrapolate i i do try and go in pretty pretty open so i hadn't really prejudged him so i wasn't sure what to expect and this was very good He, he was introduced very well one of my niggles is that he does have that very modern acting thing of and now i'm just going to speak very very quietly and when he's got a very deep voice like he does and a very, very um, bass sort of voice, that dialogue can disappear completely. And I, I hope that he doesn't do too much of that, although I suspect he will, because that is the, the trend of TV today. Mm, true. Millie Gibson, she's really the flip side of this coin. I, I had no idea where Ruby Sunday was going to land in many ways like Rose back in 2005. Like, oh my God, they've hired Billy Piper. She's a pop star. How on earth is this going to work? I, I like. I knew a lot less even about Millie Gibson, so I had no idea what was going to happen. And I think she's great, Dave. I, I think she's likable. She's capable. She's clearly quite smart without being, you know, in quotation marks, a girl genius like, you know, Zoe or someone like that. And when she was working with the Doctor in this episode, you could feel they're a team. And that TARDIS scene at the end, it felt quite right to me. Maybe it's all helped by the fact that he's new, she's new, the TARDIS is new. It's not like some interloper stepping in after a season or two into some well-established set and your brain is like, oh, that's new, that's out of place. She felt quite right to me. I thought she did a good job. Uh, I'm still pretty on the fence with Ruby as a character. I thought she was very good at sort of generic companion. Um, she did all the things you'd expect a companion to do in their first story. I mean, and, and you listen to them like, she's kind, she's smart, she's got a bit quirky. She sort of did all those things, and I sort of felt this is very generic New Who companion, and I suspect I'm going to need a few more episodes to kind of get a proper 
handle on her character. But I do agree she and Gatwa worked really, really well together. And that, mm-hmm. that was that was definitely a positive. But but I wasn't sitting there going, oh my God, Ruby, I love this character. This is so exciting. I was just going, yeah, she's doing companion stuff. I hope I see some more of her. Yeah. Well, like I say, I feel she just fit. You know, I, I might not be going over the top about it, but I think, yeah, you fit. Yeah, no, no, I, I get that. Um, I'm a little bit concerned with the whole backstory thing that we're going to get another, oh my God, this companion's so special and a chosen one type thing. Mm. And, you know, it turns out that she was left by Tik or the Rani or Susan or something. You know, that, that's going to be a whole thing and she's the... Uh, the keystone around which the universe is devised and all of time and space flow. Like I'm, I'm just a little bit worried, given her backstory, that we're going to get another one of those, which I'm just not here for. But I'm not going to judge her based on that fear. That's just a... Uh, this is a hot take, and one of my hot takes is I hope we're not doing that again. Well, let me leap forward in my notes. I'm going to bypass a few things here to get to Mrs. Flood, because it feels like a big setup is coming with her not being phased by the doctor coming and going and at the end she literally asks the audience don't you know what a TARDIS is which is kind of meta I get that it's it's meta for the new audience she's asking all these new audience members you know she's literally asking don't you know what a TARDIS is but it would seem to be something bigger has she traveled in time herself you know she's unlikely to be a time lord or the doctor would have sensed that I think and the name, we've had a river, we've had a pond. Is it just a bit of fun that she's Mrs. Flood or does that tie into all of this somehow? Is she the woman who dropped Ruby off at the church? I don't know. Or is she just some weirdo, Dave, who, who, who's never explained and she just knows stuff and, and the fact we never learn why she knows stuff is entertaining in its own right. Mrs. Flood, Dave. Yeah, I think there are two very strong possibilities here. One is that... This was just leaning into the Christmas pantomime quirkiness and you had a character that was in, in that sort of, you know, Geron Wigan from Delta and the Bandman sort of style. Like mm. just, just a character who the audience goes, it's a bit weird that they're unfazed by the TARDIS, but that's just because they're a, they're a quirky English eccentric. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, the, the looking to the TARDIS, again, just, just a bit of it's Christmas and it's pantomime, so we can look at the camera. If that turned out to be the next explanation, that would be very reasonable to me. And I'll go, yeah, that, that, that's just Christmas pantomime. Um, the other is that we turn out that she wasn't speaking to the camera as in the audience but was speaking to someone who was monitoring her on you know a screen and we get to you know episode 12 or 9 or something and we get that scene replayed and we pull out and you know it's rassle on watching her on on, on the time skip or something like you know or, or she's an agent <laughs> wow. of, she's an agent of the big bad you know and and they're yeah. reporting back you know that sort of thing and it's 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 meant to look like fourth wall breaking but it's not there, there is actually another wall and we're going to see who's watching her did you know what I'm saying or am I completely oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay good good that that would not shock me if that was that was it and that she turned out to be if not the big bad then an agent of the big bad or something thereof yeah and of course a brief note she's played by Anita Dobson who was a big big thing back in the 80s in EastEnders even I was watching EastEnders back in the 80s then Dave um and she's married to Brian May from Queen so there's a fun fact Oh, there you go. Look, she did look familiar. I haven't had a chance to look up and see what I've seen her in. It wasn't EastEnders, I'll tell you that. Yeah. But, uh, oh, she's looking a lot different to her EastEnders days, I'll say that much. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I did recognise her face. I'm sure I've seen her in something. Yeah. Uh, I was, when we were talking about Ruby Sunday, I'd made a note here, the kitchen sink, and I made that note to ponder whether Ruby's living situation, what I would call the kitchen sink drama, 
part of the story is something we'll come back to regularly, like the Rose situation, or may it become a bit more sparingly used, like, say, Martha. I mean, with Martha, we knew her family and they popped up in some stories, but they weren't Jackie Tyler levels of reappearing. Do you have any sense of where they might fit in, whether they'll pop back regularly? Uh, Yes, Rob, I think there was enough setup being done to flag that they could be uh, characters that they may wish to come back to, and certainly they have the option of coming back to them. Whether or not they do, I don't know. But but yes, I could absolutely see why you would think that. Um, in the same way that the journalist on the random TV show that Ruby was doing exposition to at the start like got a name and was cut back to several times, so I don't know whether she's meant to be part of this world building or what. Oh, well, no, she is actually a real... Davina McCall is a, is a real person. Right. So that... And this is perfect because I've made a note on this. The Davina McCall stuff would play so amazingly to the UK people because, oh, it's Davina McCall and look, a Christmas tree is going to impale her and uh, isn't this really funny? And, oh, she broke a leg falling off a boat. Isn't this hilarious? It'd be like, oh, I don't know, for us, Liz Hayes or Carl Stefanovic being <laughs> in Doctor Who, you right. know, something like that. Right. Whereas for you, what you've just said there is perfect. For you out here in the rest of the world... You're like, who is this character? What's she going to do? And and she's actually a real person. So, perfect. Yeah, no, no. I, I was literally sitting there by the sort of the third time we cut back to her. I was like, why Why is this character getting so much attention? Like, am I yeah. am I meant to care about her? Is this is this set up for, you know, something later? So, okay, I completely missed that at all. I just, no, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, but I, I think that that's beautiful because I think a lot of people in the overseas audience will be in the same boat. Uh, yes, I... I I suspect so. I mean, I I watch a lot of British television and follow a lot of British Twitter and I didn't know who she was, so there you go. Rob, can I, can I sort of mm-hmm. talk about what I didn't like? And what, or, I didn't like is the wrong word. Can I talk about why this didn't work for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the plot was just nonsense. The plot was light and the plot was about seven minutes of plot stretched over an hour of television. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these goblins were. I don't know why these goblins are. I didn't think the goblins looked particularly impressive. I didn't think they were particularly threatening. Um, we had the cliche of the great big giant monster goblin that eat, that's eating babies and can't speak for some reason. I, I just I just didn't care about the goblins. There wasn't much plot with the goblins. The, the king goblin getting impaled on the church. Again, I hadn't seen enough of him or really got a sense of this thing to really care. Mm-hmm. And I, I did spend a lot of the time the time watching this, not going, oh my God, what are these goblins? The, oh no, the goblins got the kid just going, what, what's, what's this goblin nonsense? And oh, and we're not doing the goblins now. Now we're back to some airy fairy Christmassy thing. Oh, oh now we've got another minute of goblin. Oh, they, they made a drop of shopping. Wow. Okay. Um, oh, is there anything on Twitter? And, and I just didn't engage with that plot at all. You are a Dobby the house elf hater though. Oh, no, that's not true. The, the the last scene where he got brutally slaughtered was a good Dobby scene. So I do like a little bit of Dobby, only when he's being slaughtered, though. Right, right. Look, I have more to say on this later in my notes. In fact, when we get to the sports desk. So okay. I'll, I'll pivot slightly, though, and address the elephant in the room, which ties into all of this too, Dave, which is the musical number. Now, we'd obviously seen this for the past week or so, or what we thought was the number, but we hadn't seen all of it the video that we had seen ended with the little baby say goodbye you know moment and we hadn't seen the doctor and ruby jump in with their own bits 
which I think they did very well. And one comment I'll make about the musical number, it was very in tune, no, no pun intended, with actual musicals where characters start singing about stuff and explaining stuff that they already know. And why, why are they saying all this stuff? And they don't need to be delivering the dialogue at all. So it was very much in that musical style rather than something that felt like an organic part of the story. That could be a good or a bad thing, depending on what side of the fence you're on. Is it the start of Doctor Who doing a full musical episode or was it just a one-off? I suspect it might be because Shudi Gatwa obviously can sing. Yeah. And so uh, Russell's gone, hey, let's let's you know show this guy's talent off and give him some 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 lines. Uh, and, and, and he did deliver them very well. And I think that if you've got that skill, why wouldn't you do more of it? So y- y- yes, I think that it's probably just a, hey, we can go, we, we've got a doctor who can do musicals. Let's show this skill off. Kind yeah. of like, you know, when Capaldi could play the guitar. Yes. And they're like, okay, well, let's use this. Let's make this a thing. I, I think it's probably in that sort of vein. Okay. And while we're still on Goblins, rope technology. I think the whole part about the ropes and the knots and the doctor figuring it out was actually really clever and inventive, you know, and I've, I've got not much more to say beyond that. I thought it was just a really nice bit of world building that felt, magical and fantastical and the kind of thing you expect in a Christmas episode, although I am led to believe that the new series will actually be more in a fantasy direction than a hard sci-fi one, so maybe sort of a teaser for what's to come. We didn't sort of get into the goblins that much. As you say, the Goblin King didn't speak, but the rope technology bit I thought was quite good, Dave. Oh, look, it was a nice twee bit of comment, but if you're hanging your whole goblin plot off 30 seconds of rope technology, I think that's... (laughs) A bit desperate. <laughs> okay. What have you got to talk about? Uh, look, just a couple of other little minor things. Um, the opening narration annoyed me because I think narration's always a bit of a cheat. Uh, that was a shame. Uh, I did wonder whether the fact that Ruby was having a gin and tonic was a reference to Hitchhikers, where there are many references to gin and tonics on many different worlds. So uh, that that was a nice little moment Interesting. For me. Yeah, that's completely random. Um, it, it could just be that they're in a gay bar and lots of people in gay bars drink gin and tonics. Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I know I do. Um, so, so, look, I mean, it could be either of those things, but I thought that was a nice moment. Again, I thought the Doctor did very well. I didn't like the Doctor crying. I don't like the Doctor crying. I think the Doctor doesn't work when he's sort of that vulnerable and emotional. I didn't like it when Smith did it. Um, I hope this is, a again, a Christmas heightened emotion thing and not a trait of the new Doctor, that he, he just tears up on a regular basis. But, you know, I'll give Shooty the, the chocolates that, although I didn't like what he had to do, he did do it very, very well. Yeah, my sense is that this could be a more human kind of Doctor. People have been talking about that a bit of late. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of against that. I think when you've got an alien character, you play up the alienness, and the human traits can be portrayed by the human. Um, but I think that might be him. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you've just said. I think that could be the vibe they're going for. It's not a route I'm very keen to see them go down, but mm-hmm. you know, judgment will be reserved for the season. Yeah, one brief one from me before we get to Word of the Week. Mavity got a mention, but was it in an ironic, ha-ha, you know, we recently called it Mavity, so I'm going to say Mavity, or has time really changed and it's Mavity now and that still is part of something bigger to come? Yeah, and this comes back to something I've mentioned over the last few years in the way that Stephen Moffat really kind of broke the way that we watched Doctor Who. Yes. In that, had the Moffat era not happened, 
I think we would have just been watching this going, oh, cool, there was a woman who broke the fourth wall and there was a reference to Mavity and there was a, a kid dropped off at the start. Whereas because we've been through the Moffat era, we're looking at all these things going, is that a clue? And um, <laughs> if it turns out that none of them are clues, then this is going to have to be a, a season maybe we have to go back and rewatch. Kind of like we did with Chibnall, where yes. we, we went back with Chibnall and said, now we know that there actually was no grand design and no overarching plot and all these things that we thought were hanging clues were not. They were just loose ends. Yeah. Um, and you go back and watch it in that sense. You go, actually, yeah, as, as two-dimensional drama, this is perfectly fun. Let's let some overthink it. Um, maybe that's going to be the case here. Indeed. Now, Dave, words of the week. Yours was Pavlova. Do you want to explain yours? Well, Pavlova is a traditional Christmas uh, dessert, certainly here in Australia and in New Zealand, mm-hmm. which is known for being incredibly sweet, but not very substantial. And this was a Christmas episode that I thought was very sweet and not remotely substantial. Okay, my word of the week was box, and I'm in very similar territory to you, Dave, because this episode, as a Christmas episode, did what it says on the box. It was light, it was fluffy, it had a musical number. It did all that was required of it, I think. I think that's very, very fair. And I think it's very clear you and I, Rob, saw this story for what it was uh, and it resonated a bit better with you than me. I think so. And we might tease that out in the sports desk in a moment. But before then, our scores. You like to give letters. I like to give numbers. What's your letter for this one, Dave? Look, I started off with a D, having spoken... Oh, my God! Having spoken about it with you and sort of reflected on the strengths, I'll grade that up to a C-. minus. C-. minus. I'm giving this an eight. Wow. That, yeah, look, I'm, I surprised okay. myself. But let me explain. It's more from the point of view of it being a Christmas episode. As a Christmas episode, I think this is an eight. I'm not sure what I could tell you it would be if it wasn't a Christmas episode, but I can't imagine this not being a Christmas episode. So it is what it is. To score what's in front of me as a Christmas episode, I'm giving it eight. I understand your logic there. That's perfectly reasonable. I don't grade on a curve. Okay. Hence, I've given it much lower. All right. Shall we go to the sports desk? Yeah, let's go. Here we are at the sports desk where we look at our play of the week, foul of the week, and MVP of the week. Dave, do you want to lead off with your play of the week? My play of the week goes to the introduction of the Doctor in this episode. That first moment when we see him aloof in the distance, staring through the door with a really interesting, mysterious expression on his face, and then he's suddenly part of the action, and then he's introducing himself with the Sonic, not the Sonic, the Psychic Paper. Um, yeah. And then we sort of go in, I thought that was a really effective way to build into the Doctor. And I want to see more of that Doctor, that more traditional, mysterious, slightly aloof, mountain in the distance Doctor, than I want the he's in touch with the feels now Doctor. Yeah, and I like the way he was in the plaid get-up with the orange jumper. Then later when he's dancing in the club, he's in his kilt. Then later in the episode, he's in the leather coat. So we got the sense that he'd sort of been, you know, following this for a while just through those changes of clothing. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was very effective in saying that this wasn't the Doctor going from shot to shot to shot. Mm. He was sort of going off doing stuff, coming back. And and, and, and I think 
my takeaway was that he wasn't following Ruby per se. He was just popping back for Christmas and kept bumping into Ruby and going, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. And so, yeah, that, I thought that was a really, really good little play. Cool. My play of the week is the script. So I guess I'm giving this to RTD. <laughs> You're going to spew here, Dave, because only once in the whole thing did I look at my watch and it wasn't because of boredom. But I was just curious, like, how long has this been going? Because I wasn't really sure and I didn't have any sense through the story where we might be at. So I, I looked and we were at the 40 minute mark. And I actually found that extraordinary. I thought, oh, my God, 20 minutes to wrap this up. It, it motored along for me. Oh, fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, we, we clearly had very different experiences. Yeah. Let's move into fouls. I'll go first here. I was struggling in many ways as the episode hit its marks as a Christmas episode again. I reinforced that and was going down like ah, a nice glass of bubbly, maybe cheap bubbly at Christmas. You know, no more, no less. But if you pinned me to the wall and said, we need a foul, I'll go with the resolution of the goblins. And this does tie back into something you said earlier. I think it was fun, maybe brave in some ways, to have the Goblin King impaled on a church spire, no less. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it was also quick. We didn't get a feel for them much at all. Here's the threat. Now we've impaled it. Good night. We actually learned more about their use of ropes than through any sort of interaction with them directly. So totally agree with stuff you were saying earlier. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, I also struggled to pick a foul because whilst the tone of this didn't work well for me there weren't a you know a whole heap of specific moments i've gone oh my god that's terrible it, mm. it wasn't that sort of dislike it was just a this this tone isn't working for me the scene that i have picked out though is the scene where the doctor discovers that ruby no longer exists and i suspect this is going to be a controversial pick because I, I suspect if the episode's working for you this was a very wonderful dramatic piece of writing but for me already a little bit frustrated with the insubstantiability of the story where it's like where's ruby we can't find her who's ruby i don't know who ruby is what's going on ruby's not here oh ruby's photo has been taken away from the fridge oh the other photo has been taken grandma you don't know who is i get it ruby's gone move on <laughs> i just felt that was sort of really frustrating and drawn out and i pick it because it is emblematic for me of just a lot of stuff in this was just really drawn out. And, you know, this you could have halved the length of this, I think, and not lost mm. much. And that that is perhaps my biggest criticism of the thing. All right. Keep us going with your MVP. Look, no shocks here. I'm going for Shudi Gatwa. Uh, all the good moments in this were Shudi. He had a very strong performance. Um, not entirely sure about some of the aspects of his Doctor yet, but, hey, you know, you can't judge a Doctor based on their first 45 minutes. And I'm certainly not going to, but his performance was exceptional. Yeah, I'm giving it to Shooty as well. He just stepped into the role, felt good from the get-go. Like I said earlier, he was even somewhat restrained in a Christmas special, no less. So unless that was really deliberate just to draw us in and he's going to get more manic and crazy over time, or whether he really is a more serious guy than we've been led to believe... And I say that in the full knowledge that we did see him clubbing in a kilt, you know, when I say he's a serious guy. But I mean, when he's in full-on doctor mode, he seems quite serious to me. And I'm really curious if that is the personality of this doctor. Yeah, and I, and I saw the clubbing in a kilt as very similar to the 11th doctor playing football. Yeah. Just, you, you could sort of imagine the, oh, what are the humans doing today? Oh, they're all dancing in skirts and moving their bodies. I'll do that. Oh, isn't this fun? Like... That's, that's a very doctorish 
sort of thing in the same way that oh they're playing soccer today I I found I quite like soccer uh, that yeah that that was that was fine and I think that again we don't really know whether that's an aberration not an aberration but whether he's going to be this very serious grim doctor with moments of outrageousness or he's going to be an outrageous doctor with moments of seriousness we we don't know and that's going to be interesting to find out I kind of like the idea of him being serious and from time to time he'll just crack that big smile I'd yes. like that I think Yes, it, that would be the path I would like to see him go down. Yeah. Well, that's been the church on Ruby Road. Probably only one thing to discuss, which wasn't at the end of the episode, Dave, but we had to go and seek it out on YouTube, and that's the next season trailer. There's some interesting stuff in there. I mean, the Beatles episode has the Beatles in it. Yeah, there was mention that there was going to be a Beatles episode, and, and I sort of thought that was actually going to be more like there's a 60s episode, and... In the background, the Beatles walk past or something. Yes. But it looks like they are actually going to be characters that interact with the plot, which is very interesting. My other big takeaway was Jonathan Groff, who is an actor I'm quite a fan of, and, and I can remember him going back to when he was in Glee and still sort of, you know, becoming an up-and-coming actor. And then he was dating Zachary Quinto for a while. I was like, oh, right. that's very interesting. And then he was um, George Third in Hamilton, the only good bit of Hamilton, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> He was in the horror cabin thing that M. Night Shalaman did last year. Right. He's done a lot of stuff. I'm a big fan of Jonathan Groff. So he, my two takeaways were, oh, it's Jonathan Groff and, oh, it's the Beatles. Okay. I, I noted we saw Mel on the scooter with Shooty. So that comment you made on our last episode about, was that just Shooty taking her to lunch? No, that seems to be in, <laughs> in, in an episode. Yep. Uh, we are back in Avengers Tower at some point. I saw Rose meeting the Doctor there. Other random shots. It looks good. It looks exciting. I'm genuinely looking forward to getting into the next series and reviewing it. Yeah, I I, I am as well. Um, my lack of enjoyment of this has not put me off the coming season because it is a Christmas special and I've learned long ago that they are their own special thing. And look, as you always say, Rob, these hot takes, we have no idea how the rest of Doctor Who fandom and how our listeners have taken this story. Nope. Uh, some may agree with you, most may agree with you, or vice versa. I'll be really interested to go out into the world and find out whether I am just a grumpy bastard or, <laughs> or um, you know, telling the truth that others see. We'll find out. Well, you know, if you get all those Christmas episodes in a line, I would probably say most of them I don't like. So it's not even that I like Christmas episodes per se, but this one just worked for me. And that's fantastic. That's, that's mm. really, really good. And and sometimes that is the thing with television. You can have two people watch the same thing and it just works for one person and doesn't work for the other. In the same way, we are both about to sit down and watch Tests Cricket and get really involved. Yes. And other people will go, I don't know how you can watch that. Just horses for courses. For hour after hour, day after day. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, let's go and do that, Dave, shall we? Yes, we shall. <laughs> Thank right. you very much. We'll be back on New Year's Eve with our normal December monthly show, looking at another Christmas episode, K9 and Company. Can't wait, Dave. Me either. All the best. All the best to you too. See ya. Bye. Bye.